everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Real For Real. Uh, I'm Kevin, this is Isaiah. And so today we're gonna be talking about a movie called Judas and the Black Messiah. This movie was written and directed by Shaka King. It was produced by Shaka King and Ryan Coogler. And the cinematography was done by Sean Bobbitt. So, hey, Isaiah, man, I gotta tell you, I think this is my favorite movie this year so far. Oh, dang, it's like that. <laughs> Out the Gun is your favorite one already? So this is my favorite one, man. I, I gotta tell you, like, I think this movie is almost flawless, in my opinion. I think it's pretty darn good. Um, I I don't know if I don't know yet if I can say best out of the year. That's just me. Um, it's a little early to try and call that, especially at least for me being only March. Hey, I think I think it's a little early, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, really good film. Uh, kudos to Shaka King um, and Ryan Coogler for helping out with you know the. Uh, producing this movie and getting it in the theaters mm -hmm. shout out to warner brothers as well for distributing it but man yeah let's get into this one I, I definitely think it'll it'll be one of those that's in the running for for some awards this year for sure for sure for sure war is politics with bloodshed war without politics is bloodshed man bars yeah 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 no, that was a fabulous line fabulous line Great yeah. let me tell you like for me this is Finally, a Panther movie with the, that wasn't low budget. Yeah, it was a high quality movie, and and I love it. And I think that the advertising for this movie was uh, different. I, I can see that being a, a something that threw people off because it looked like it was going to be a heavy Black Panther movie and focus on the character study of Fred Hampton. No, yeah, but, I mean, like even in the even in the no. the, the title slide, you know, kind of runs. Mm -hmm with Judas being like so big and, and you know, uh, Judas and Black Messiah being so large in there. And then yeah. in the trailers, like, so I'm not gonna lie, when I saw it at first, it almost felt like it was gonna be more of a, uh, almost gonna be more of a biopic for Fred. Like, that's the yeah. vibe I got. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that you gotta, you, you know, you gotta watch out for um, mm -hmm. as you go into this film, because it definitely was very heavy on Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> Mm -hmm. At least in the in the trailers, it felt that way. So I think that a lot of times when we were watching and you're thinking about what's going to happen in the movie, and as you watch that trailer, you're assuming, oh, we about to get a Fred Hampton biopic, forgetting <laughs> that like, yo, I don't even know if we know enough about Fred as like a society to do that. I'm um, glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because you know, you know, there, there's. I think a lot of people, you know, probably just learned about the Black Panthers from this movie. And the thing is, it didn't really get too, too deep into the Black Panthers. There was more of a study of the COINTEL and the infiltration uh, with William O'Neill. And it focused heavy on J. Edgar Hoover and how pivotal he was with this infiltration. And, and I like how the movie opened up, but I don't want to get too deep into the Panthers. I do want to say kind of who co-founded it and what happened, and then we can move on and talk about the movie. But for the people who don't know, uh, the Black Panthers were co-founded by Bobby Seale and Huey P. Newton in Oakland, California in 1966. Uh, they went to Merritt College together, and they got with various organizations to you know, try to come up with how they can uplift the Black community. The thing is, they kind of had different ideologies from the people that they were trying to link up with and work with at Merritt College. And so Bobby and Huey, they decided to go ahead and branch off and do their own thing. And from there, that's where they came up with the 10 point program, which is basically a uh, declaration of independence or bill of rights for black people that they want the government to abide by. 
Um, and so that's kind of like the background of the 10 point program. But they also started uh, the Panthers because at the end of the day, they wanted to, you know, uplift the black people and they realized a lot of injustice that was going on in the black community as far as police brutality. And so they're like, look, you know, Bobby and Huey, they were very well read as far as uh, their laws and they knew that they had the right to bear arms in California. So they put this together and this was something that threatened the FBI and, and made them fearful. And so, you know, that's just kind of the backstory. And then when we get to Fred Hampton, which it wasn't explained in the movie, but originally he worked for the NAACP. And then after that, uh, he saw like a lot of the Panthers working in Chicago, Illinois. And he was like, you know what? I like what they're doing over here. I'm going to go ahead and join the Panthers. And he was doing so much as far as, you know, just advancing the Illinois chapter that he became Chairman Fred. Yeah, so that's yeah, kind yeah. of the backstory of that. Yeah, they get, I mean, in the start of the movie, does give a little. Um, it doesn't give as in-depth as you explained. Right. Uh, so for those of you at home, I would definitely say, if you'd like to crack open a couple of books about, you know, the Panthers, this, that, and the other, I believe that definitely, um, or at least for me as a kid, luckily for me, my parents kind of taught me a little about who they were from, mm-hmm. the positive, uh, from the positive side of it. But I think for most of us, we may not have always known much more about it, uh, at least not in school. We don't talk about it a lot. Um, so I would say definitely look into, uh, well, I mean, heck, I think people know the term. People knew what it was, you know, the term. So they got to talk about it. It's, they had to have heard about it somewhere. I think schools yeah. mentioned them. Uh, I don't think it's mentioned whether they're bad, good, this, that, and the other. I think it mm-hmm. may have just been mentioned, you know what I'm saying, in conversation or like as a blurb in a, in a, in a textbook. So... <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah. I would definitely say uh, I definitely say this movie is a nice jumping off point for anybody who wants to go get more information. But yeah, the beginning of the movie does touch on a little bit of the of the starts of the organization itself. But it, as Kevin said, like you know, it's not really meant to be focused on the Black Panthers, so we don't spend much time there. The whole thing is really about the infiltration of the Chicago uh, party simply by William O'Neill. And so just remember when you're watching it, the movie focuses on William. <laughs> it is the, the focus is about William and the uh, FBI's infiltration. Even yeah. though Kahlua gives awesome, awesome performance. Like mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. as we, I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and take that step to dive into the film. Um, Kahlua and uh, Lakeith Stanfield give really, really great performances throughout this Phenomenal, movie. phenomenal. Like, like really, really great performances. Uh, there are times when, I think it's just a testament to how hard Kahlua works because there are times in there when I think I'm listening to, like if I can close my eyes, I feel like I'm listening to <laughs> Fred speak and it's- Bro, the accent, the accent was on point. Yeah. Like, it was like, what? Like, especially knowing that the brother, like it's from, like the UK, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I'm right, like, what? Right. Like, yeah, it's really crazy. Right. Um, but yeah, true testament to the work and dedication he put into his craft, as well as just the research he was doing on Fred himself. Because mm-hmm. there are moments when he's speaking throughout that film that I, you know, I wouldn't think that I was listening to Daniel Kaluuya. So that was, it was pretty yeah. awesome. Let's talk about the movie for a second. Um, I don't know if you remember at the very beginning of the movie, we get into J. Edgar Hoover, where he's talking to the FBI, right? right. And um, J. Edgar Hoover is played by Martin Sheen, and he does a phenomenal job. I'm like, wow, Martin Sheen, they got him really looking like him. 
But he says something interesting at the very beginning of the movie. He says, the Panthers are a threat to our society, right? They are a bigger threat than the Chinese and a bigger threat than the Russians. And so I thought that was interesting that he was using that. And so it, it makes me think about the theme of the movie, right? Could it be possibly capitalism versus uh, communism or Marxism? Um, maybe it is because why are they the biggest threats? Is it because they have the right to bear arms or is it because, uh, you know, they're realizing that the Panthers philosophy is, hey, you know, my money isn't just my money. My money is your money too. Right. Or is it uh, possibly, you know, when it comes, when we think about the free breakfast program, uh, hey, this food isn't just for me. This food is for everybody. We're trying to feed the community. We obviously they're trying to eradicate the food injustice, right? Yeah. So, you know, when when you look at this, Jay Edgar Hoover, they're looking at it like, look, y'all are messing up this capitalistic society that we have when you're talking about what's mine is yours. So is that what we kind of view as Marxism? So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you bring that that point up from the beginning of the movie because yeah. Um, I do think that there is, there are heavy tones. Uh, for those of you who don't know the backstory, at least when you watch the movie, you can tell that there are heavy tones of what Fred preaches to his uh, local chapter and the things that they are doing through that chapter that scream to you know, communism, socialism in a sense, uh, mm -hmm. and as a as a as a whole. Like <laughs> they they kind of operate in that notion. So it is interesting to me. I I mean. I wish I could be a fly in the wall in J. Edgar Hoover's office, you know, to be able to know why that seemed to make them public enemy number one. I mean, true communism was a big thing that we were afraid of at that point. Um, uh, communism, socialism would have looked terrible, you know, super, super scary at that point. So maybe that is what they're going toward. Um, but I also think that um, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing that's brought up there theme thematically by showing those, uh, by showing those things like the free break, breakfast program and and the mm -hmm. different communist and socialist uh, socialist uh, practices that they use to show that in a sense it's weird to see them in a movie and to see them not shown in a completely negative light. If that makes sense, like right. when you're watching the movie, you feel that there's a very heartfelt. Um, at least by by uh, Fred on Fred's part and uh, on the chapter's part in there, there's a sense of just trying to make sure that they're taking care of one another. But mm -hmm. at the same time, as being you know, especially being uh, Americans here, where we value our capitalist system, you know, and our democracy here, it's interesting to tr to watch and for me to be kind of sympathizing. You know what I'm saying? You sympathize. You watch and you're like, yeah, I can sympathize with why these programs will be set up. But at the same time that does kind of look like, you know, the big bad communism, the big bad socialism do, mm -hmm. is that the right, you know, and so you got that little thing. So yeah, I'm not sure what causes, you know, what made them public enemy number one. I don't mm -hmm. know if, you know, if that's the underlying reason behind it. I don't know if, uh, you know, I don't know enough about, I guess you could say, I don't know enough about Hoover's politics to know, you know, or his own, thinking to know about that but I, hey maybe i got oh we got we have to talk offline on that one man yeah i'm about to say maybe hoover. i have to do some <laughs> yeah hoover some was something. that one hoover was something yeah. definitely I, I know about the time i know about the time yeah. period and the, yeah. and the yeah. politics and feelings of the time period but mm -hmm. to say you know why that makes them number one 
I mean, yeah. the, the political as, aspect of it does is a legitimate concern. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. many Americans, we could anybody could sit down and think about that and see the political ramifications and be like, yeah, oh, that is that was something that is a big help. Even today, it's still a big fear. You know? Yeah. So, Man, I like uh, when Roy in the beginning of the movie. So th- this is when we're tapping into the mindset of what, how does William O'Neill feel, right? So Roy in the beginning of the movie, he asked him, uh, "Were you upset when Dr. King was murdered or when Malcolm X was murdered?" And you know, these are two obviously pivotal people in the black community. And to see uh, William O'Neill's reaction to it, he knew that he was going to be the essential person to use for the infiltration because. William O'Neill's character is, he's kind of unfazed, right? Yeah. He didn't know how to feel, really. Um, I think, yeah, he was just, um, so where we start with O'Neill in the beginning of the film, I think O'Neill is simply just a dude out to take care of himself. Like, that's it. He's not, he doesn't seem overly, at least the way the, the film portrays him. I mean, he doesn't seem overly concerned about, anything going on in, uh, you know, in the, the world around him. He wants his record expunged. He wants yeah. his record expunged. He's just taking care he, of himself. And he wants to fatten his pockets, yes. He, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think when, when they ask him that question, when Roy asked him the question, uh, in his mind, he's like, what's that got to do with what I'm going through right now? And right, right, right. In his mind, he, I think it felt like he was living very small scale at that time. I'm just trying to make sure that I can do well for me. And so that, yeah, it is interesting to see that that question doesn't phase him at all. It's just, mm-hmm. nah, like I'm not hyper-political. Yeah. I only know to deal with what's in my little circle right now. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that, I mean, that, yeah, that's an interesting point. I, it just kind of goes to the solid storytelling though, like of the, of the movie in general, right? Like yeah. the movie does a solid job of telling that story of William O'Neill. Like even from like the first, uh, so it's, it's awesome. The movie opens with a reenactment of, of a, a documentary. Documentary, yeah. William right. shot. Uh-huh, it's a yeah. reenactment that yeah. starts prior to the documentary was actually filmed. In mm-hmm. other words, you see Lakeith coming in as William and he's sweating, you know, sweating something serious. Yeah. He's sitting there uh, in a chair, nervous before this interview happens. Mm-hmm. Then it cuts to a more, you know, upkept version of, of O'Neill sitting there. Yeah. He doesn't seem as nervous. Like, it, it's interesting, like, just to tell that tale that, like those two little images in the beginning help you to realize that there's a little more conflict to this individual than people may give credit for. Right. This, this right. man is responsible for, for uh, the downfall of Fred Hampton. But at the same time, it's, it was really awesome to see that in the beginning. And then also at the end of the movie, you see that it's, it's kind of reinforced when they finally show the actual snippet. Yeah, the actual snippet. <laughs> they show the Ooh. snippet of the documentary that's made. It's, it's chilling. It's, it's chilling. Yeah, yeah, it's really chilling. And it, yeah. it creates this, uh, it's great storytelling to kind of connect the narrative. Because you get that beginning and that nervousness, and you're like, well, why is, what's going on? Why is this nervous? And you only get this snippet. You don't, uh, if you didn't know about the, if you didn't know about it. You didn't know about the documentary, you just, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Like, it, 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 yeah. You just assume, why did they start this way? And then it right. goes into the film and you start mm-hmm. to see how things go. And as we watch, 
as we watch the kind of unraveling mm-hmm. and the changes that happen in Mr. O'Neill. I guess that's the coolest thing. You watch the changes in how he views things. He doesn't stay as selfish as we believed him to be like by the start of the film. Right. Um, he starts to see the bigger picture of what's happening around him and how the Panther Party is affect, like trying to make change there, trying to affect right, right, right. change there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he still can't shake that I got to take care of me piece. Yep, that's it. Yep, the, cap- the capitalist um, side of it. Yep. Absolutely. You know, we see that in his worry as time goes. So yeah, the storytelling is is really really great, and not just from O'Neill's perspective. Uh, the bits we get about Hampton, um, mm-hmm. even from Roy too. Like <laughs> even Roy, even Roy. I know, I know you don't care for that actor very much, man. No, no, no. I'm not gonna say I don't care hey, for him. He did as much as I just like. I think he gets good job. Hey, hey, women's, he gets. I think he gets kind of put into a pigeonholed into the same kind of role. He gets typecast a little bit. He does. For me, and for me, I also am a big person, like a big. In my mind, I need more facial expression from, and (laughs) I don't get like that's just a thing for me. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to read from facial expression, and so that's my only quarrel. He's not a bad actor at all. Like, I I love. Break it bad. He's, he's he's great. He was great in Black Mass, by the way. I like him in that. Um, let me let me switch let me switch gears on something different though. So you know how they talk about the crowns in the movie, right? When they start trying yeah, to unite yeah. with people, the forces. The interesting fact is the crowns they fictionalized the name. That's actually not the crowns. It's the Black Stone Rangers. Right. And it was interesting because uh, I was talking to my grandparents, man, and you know they're older and, and they lived in Illinois at the time when this was going on. Yeah. And man, it was just so cool just hearing them tell me about the Blackstone Rangers and what they were doing and them like knowing about Fred and them being there when all this stuff was happening. Right. Man, I, thought that, I thought that was cool, man. And then you have Fred linking up with the Young Patriots, which is the white Southern group that you see in the movie. Yeah. Um, and just the way he just enters, you know, the way he enters that meeting that they had and the confidence that he had with, you know, just, hey, he wants to unite with them. I yeah. thought that was great. Yeah, and I think they do a great job throughout the movie of, despite that it's not a Fred Hampton movie, and a shout, and like, shout out to y'all for putting this together and putting the information that you did know about Fred out Shaka there. King, shout out to Shaka King. You know, yes, hopefully, sir. you know, just go ahead and throw this in the air, Hollywood, but maybe we can do some more digging and maybe get a little more about, you know, Fred that's himself. What I, that's, what I love about this. that's what I love about this, Isaiah, is this movie was so well done. The budget was good. This movie was supported. Um, I mean, people are getting awards for this movie. People are being recognized. This movie is going to open the doors for us potentially getting a Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale movie or getting uh, maybe a, a Sada movie or, or something. Like, we're going to get more of these kind of movies. We don't have to worry about the low-budget Panther movies that were made in the past anymore. I think this is going to open the door for a lot of things. And also, like, in regards to, like, other Panther movies out there, yeah, this is this is probably the first one where it's been put center stage um, and really, you know, been told well. Um, yeah. and, I, and I'm not, not to knock those of you who, you know, who have shot, f- you know, films about the Panthers. Hey, you did, I guess, what you could at the time. with what you did what you could. You did what you could. Um, and I'm not going to say that I've sat here and seen all of them. I haven't. No. But I will say um, that, yeah, I, I hope to be able to get more in-depth looks at the people behind them. That's what, I, that, that's what I'm more so getting at. Um, I think oftentimes in a lot of films, the Panthers are mentioned, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, 
one dimensional. It's very minor. It's very yeah, minor. You know, it's minor. Yeah, right, it's one dimensional. Right. It's minor. Yeah. And so that's what I'm hoping for. So when I'm throwing that in the air, hey, I wouldn't mind seeing a whole Fred Hampton film if we can get the information about it. I wouldn't mind seeing about you know Bobby Seale. That just said Fred Hampton. I just sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. Let's no, just good. back. Let's just fact check something real quick. So uh, in the movie, he served two to five years for stealing ice cream, and in the movie, they kind of made it like it was. Like you're thinking about it, the way they presented the information to you, it's like, we're still in ice cream, bro. What? That man doing two to five years for that? And that's actually true. They said he stole $70 worth of ice cream. Um, but what they say is that, you know, Fred held somebody down, uh, the ice cream man down. They took some ice cream. They gave it to some kids. Uh, but he did two to five years for it. So I do want to say that actually is true. I know that I think we talked about that before. Yeah, you, I was say, you and I talked about this on, on, on the, yeah. we watched the movie a little bit. Um, yeah, like <laughs> there, I, I think that's a fun little exercise for anybody who goes and watches this movie. Like that's mm -hmm. what I was suggesting from the beginning. This is a movie serve as a jumping off point. It wouldn't be a bad idea for anyone who watches it to go do some more reading about. There's some more reading. Yes, sir. Just check up yeah. on whether it be Fred Hampton, whether it be if you want to look up more about William O'Neill, whether it be about the Panthers in general and other, you know, uh, historical figures that dealt with this Hoover. You know, um, for me, I'm going to probably jump off there a little bit more on Hoover. Mm -hmm. I've known that I've known little bits about him. I've known that he kind of operated the FBI like it was his own personal you know, unit for a little bit. But outside of outside of that, I don't think I know enough about, you know, how the man thought outside of the confines of what generally people thought. During speaking of Hoover, speaking of Hoover, right, I thought it was interesting that we get the news that Fred's going to be going to prison, right? Mm -hmm. And Hoover says, he tells Roy, he's like, that's not good enough. I'm not satisfied with that. This is somebody that needs to be killed. And he says this specifically in the movie. He says, look, Eldridge Cleaver went to prison. He ended up becoming a hero. And the reason why he says that is because Eldridge Cleaver, he was a Panther as well. Mm -hmm. And he went to prison and he wrote this book called Soul on Ice. And it was just like a book that everybody loved. It's New York's best time seller. It did numbers. And so he's like, look, I don't want this guy going to prison, okay? Maybe he could write a book. He'll end up becoming a hero as well. This is somebody that you need dead. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Eldridge Cleaver is somebody, I'm, you know, Eldridge Cleaver is cool. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Eldridge Cleaver just because of his uh, his differences with Huey. But that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, I'm, I'm about to say, look, <laughs> start a whole new podcast. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll start a whole new podcast. Man, I, you know, Eldridge <laughs> Cleaver, you know, he, he's oh. different, but... Uh, but I thought that was interesting, man. Like he, he pretty much, he put the hit out. You, you've well, got I thought, it. I thought that entire, yeah, that, I mean, that hit was, was, <laughs> that was pretty, pretty serious, but that yeah. whole scene, I think just carries a lot of weight, right? Like that whole, mm -hmm. uh, that whole scene carries a lot of weight because mm -hmm. when you're, so the way, uh, Roy is presented, like Clemens character seems to be a gentleman who's just out to do the right thing according to like what he's told. It doesn't mm -hmm. seem like he's got necessarily too malicious of intents behind his motives or this, that, and the other. Right. It seems like a not, you know, a good officer attempting to do what he's been told is the right move to do. Until we get to that scene there where we see his he's been tempted a little bit when Hoover comes in after Hoover displays, you know. <laughs> You know, kind of lays uh one of my favorite scenes you're about to get into where he's basically like hey do you want your daughter dating a negro because that's what's going to happen 
yeah. if you don't stop this guy. <laughs> and I was like, it's, it's weird how they kind of, how the scene plays out and traps him in this. Yeah. And it leaves yeah. him with, it leaves him with no, nothing to truly say. Like, cause he's yeah. standing in front of the person who holds his career there. Mm -hmm. And you can see that he's a little uncomfortable by the, by the situation itself. Oh, he's very uncomfortable. You can you see know, that. He, he, he's, yeah. he's not just uncomfortable with the question, but uncomfortable with thinking about his daughter possibly being with a colored man. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think, it, yeah, I think it stretches past just that. Like, yeah. he's uncomfortable with the situation, given you know his superior doing this to him. The mm -hmm. question, I think, the thought, and then I think he's also uncomfortable about what his response is. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying I can I mean, I, this is not to say that I know what you know clearly that agent, the actual agent's thoughts were in this moment. But mm -hmm. it's, I think it's a, it shows really good direction and, and, and work on the actors that they show all of that confusion happening there and that they leave that kind of open-ended feeling of like, well, regardless of what he says here, does he really buy into what's being sold to him or does right, he right. not? Like, yeah. and, and even still, like you watch even by the end of the film, Roy is a little more, He's not as clean as we thought he was from the beginning. No. At the end of it, no. when he's talking to Will, he's just kind of like, hey, player, this is <laughs> this is what it is. Yeah. This is what you get, this is what you did. I hope yeah. you're happy. Deal with it. And if you're not, oh, well, like, yeah. that's kind of like, Here's your gas station and here's your $300 bonus, too. He, fe yeah. he feels a little confirmed, like, confirmed yeah. in, in his convictions to do what he did. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there's some great, there's some really great, uh, storytelling and like character development that's happening throughout this film. But I will say like, I know you say it's, you know, perfect, pretty close to perfect for you. It, it doesn't feel as intense as I expected it to be all the way through. Mm. If that makes sense. It, it's, mm. it kind of slow burns. It, it, a, it opens up intense though, doesn't it? Oh yeah. 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 Ooh. It opens up well, um, uh. it opened up really well. Um, and I think that there are a couple of, you know, nice moments in there of, sheer intensity but i will say um for me there's some it it kind of slow burns it's a slow ride a little bit toward the middle i um, disagree yo any, i know you any disagree. true story any true story any biopic yeah, you I can't, know. can't say some slow burn but man uh, nah, nah, that ain't true panthers. that this, ain't true this is the panthers though man this it can is, still be is. it can still be a slow burn even if it's a biopic okay all right all right let me try to sell it to you this way okay what if I told you that Shaka King got the inspiration from Leonardo's Departed character for William O'Neill? Would that make you feel different? No, it's still a slow burn movie. <laughs> like, like, I mean, yeah, that means that it's a written, you know, it'd be more of a written story versus a real person's. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that a real person's story, like, I understand a real person's story isn't going to have you know, random explosions all the time. This, like, no, you've got to have those moments. But there were some moments where I felt like it was just a little, it wasn't bad. It just was flattened. It was just a little flattened. We were getting- I'll, 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 Okay, all right, all right. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll agree with you to a certain extent only on one occasion though. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's a couple of scenes though. And it's really between Fred Hampton and Deborah Johnson. Um, the, them two together, uh, yeah, that's fine. I understand that's his relationship. But some of the scenes where they were just together and they were building the love story with them, that to me kind of dragged a little bit. And that's what I'd say. 
for me personally. So, yeah, yeah. So that for you uh, was yeah, there. That, that for I me. Know, um, so there are like, we get these, a couple of really intense moments with uh, Will and um, for instance, like when he's about to get possibly exposed um yeah. by you know by the uh the right uh the gang in the city uh, he's about yeah. to get exposed by the gang and then the same thing happens again within the panthers they worry about it but after that we get pivotal information but it mm -hmm. just feels like it coasts for a little bit until I, for me until we get to i don't feel the intensity again until the shootout if that makes sense the shootout okay yeah and then even then it rides for a little bit which it's it's a necessary ride. I'm not saying that they're making any of the wrong mistakes, uh, that they're mm -hmm. making mistakes there. I'm just saying for me, it does slow burn a little bit at the, at, in that middle section. Like mm -hmm. I don't okay. feel the anxiousness the way I do until again when we get to the very last scenes um, before the the murder occurs. I want to come back to you on on that, but I want to also talk about Fred Hampton's character for a second, uh, just who he was and how he was portrayed. Man, when he, first of all, think about it this way, Isaiah. Yeah. When he got out of prison for the ice cream incident, <laughs> he had, what did he do first? He decided to go to the headquarters after they uh, trashed, after the FBI trashed it, right? Yeah. So think about that. He went there instead of going home to get comfortable, get some sleep, you know, get on a couch, get on a bed. You've just been locked up. You want to go home, right? Yeah, that says yeah. a lot about his character and how much he cared about his people. So that's one thing I learned, like, wow, like this man wouldn't even get like, I'm going straight to the headquarters. I'm going to see what's going on. I'm going to check on people. And he was surprised when it was fixed up. I was like, wow, that was great. That's another testament. That's one testament to his character. The second testament to his character was, um, I think it was towards the end of the movie, right? Towards the end of the movie, he had the option to go to Algeria and join Eldridge Cleaver. And they, were, and they had the money for him. He said, no, I want this money to go towards a clinic. You take this money and I'm going to do my time and I'll be back. Okay. I'll be back. Mm -hmm. And then this is when we lead us. This is eh, spoilers, people, whatever is out. Well, we, we don't spoil for the whole time. We don't spoil enough anyway. We should have so. dropped, dropped that in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we get to a point where uh, William O'Neill drugs him, right? We get to a point where he drugs him. And this is what I, I wanted to talk to you about. I personally think that um, it was a mercy kill yeah. uh, when he drugged him. I think he, I think William O'Neill had the intentions to kill him with the fentanyl. And the reason why I say that is because there was actually enough fentanyl in the system to kill him and he wasn't going to wake up regardless whether he was shot or not. And so in a way, I'm just thinking like William O'Neill was like, you know what? I got to do it. That's why he was so emotional when he gave it to him, right? Because I feel like he knew like, th look, this is your last night. So I think it was... He knew it was going to be his last night because they knew his floor plan and they were going to kill him. But also he was kind of getting emotional because he knew he killed him himself by giving him the drugs. Does that make sense? No, 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 no. That's a, I mean, I think that's a, that's a solid, solid theory to go on there. Um, yeah. I mean, in case anybody uh, hadn't heard that theory before he was listening to us, like, yeah, uh, <laughs> coroner's reports are saying that, Dude, dude, very clearly could have been dead before they put a you know put a bullet wound in him. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I think it's uh, the only thing I would differ from you there is that I don't know if William may have intentionally did it. Not saying that he you know couldn't have, but I'm also saying that it would make sense for William, who's not a doctor and who's not you know who probably doesn't know fentanyl or anything else, mm -hmm. to even have accidentally you know 
killed him first either. I think that that's yeah. a very strong possibility that they just gave him fentanyl and played, mm -hmm. poured what he had in there, not realizing that there should be a set dose, this and the other. So right, yeah, right. No, I think it's I think it's very very much possible. When you told me that, I was like, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, because um, I didn't, I, you know. I know watching the film, I felt like that could have been the case. Yeah. Because of how um just Lakeith does a great job of playing, like how remorseful he kind of feels about what's about to happen. What's about shout to out to Lakeith, man. This guy has what, no acting classes, no real acting experience except for getting on the show ATL and then uh, paving his way into Hollywood. I mean, they, they, I think they said Lakeith, uh, he started off with like modeling, I think. Like he took like modeling, modeling classes instead. It just goes and, to show. Like, and it goes to show you like that's God-given talent, man. Like he not, did a phenomenal job. Just talent telling you, I mean, you, he saw a career choice. He yeah. had to go yeah. for. Yeah. Put his, and then put his work in. Like, and they say that Lakeith actually needed therapy after this role because he just felt like he actually really killed um, Fred Hampton, like he felt like he really did. He needed therapy after this yeah, role because he really, he really became the character. Yeah, really put and, himself um, into the role. Oh yeah, a, a phenomenal movie. And uh, for so for ten out of ten, what I'm ranking this movie, I'm giving it a nine point five. I don't have a problem with any of it. The cinematography was great. Uh, I think that the storyline was uh, well told. I accepted it for what it was. I accepted it as a Cointel infiltration. That's what it was. Um, it was that, that's what it was. Uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, I learned something. He was very pivotal in this and making this happen. And, and you learn a little bit about Fred, too. Um, I think for the people who may have just heard his name before and really didn't know much about him at all. Now, you know, a little now, you know, a little something. Now, you know that he started the Rainbow Coalition. Now, you know that he died at the age of 21. Now, you know things about him and it can inspire you to look him up and learn more. Now, you know a little bit about the Illinois chapter. Uh, so it's there's a lot in this movie that uh, was very useful uh, information to, that a lot of people didn't know. Um, it was just a well shot movie. It was a well told story. And like I said, this movie is going to inspire other filmmakers and open doors for other filmmakers to create similar movies like this. And another thing I want to say is um, I know families out there probably questioning. I, I hate to be the movie mom person, but I'm going to do it anyways. You know how they do like remember remember those movie mom reviews they used to do back in the day. Man. <laughs> like, look, I'm, look, I'm gonna be the person to say, families, if you uh, decide to show this to your kids, uh, the language, it's the the profanity is very high. I will say that it's it's a lot of f-bombs in this movie. It's a lot of profanity, but I think it's very realistic because this is a very stressful time. This is a this is this is not just good times. People are trying to strategize, mobilize, and make things happen. True, true. And, and so people are not going to be sitting up here all hunky-dory and, and just like talking like whatever. People are going to express themselves and say what they have to say. It's like if you're in a stressful situation and you're trying to survive, basically, and you want your race to survive in this city, then you're going to say things. And it's very realistic. Um, I like, this is very realistic. I like how they do it because oftentimes biopics, they try to clean it up and make it all family friendly. And just like, you know, it's like, man, I know they weren't talking like that. So that was very realistic. So families just know that if you decide to show your kids this movie. Um, and I like, it reminds me of Selma, how realistic that was because how they showed, uh, I, when I say reminds me, I like Selma was authentic. That's what I'm talking about, authentic. Uh, and it's, yeah. 
Because because you know you know what I mean by authentic with Selma. Because yeah, 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 yeah. there were things about MLK Jr. It showed his vulnerability. It showed that it insinuated they gave what we th- what we knew. Uh huh. And it insinuated things with him and Coretta that we might have thought happened, but we didn't know. But they insinuated it in the film without actually saying it. So that was perfect. Well, they just showed all of his they showed all of his humanity. He's a human being. Yes, he was a human. All being. That's yes, that's um, yeah. No, no. Uh, for me, I would definitely say this is a great movie. Great performances. Um, I do think it's something that everyone should, you know, go and watch. I think just because I think it's, I feel that way about most historical pieces. I think that most everybody should go and watch all of them. 9.5 out of 10. He gives it a 9.5. I still give it a nine. I give it a nine. Nine. Uh, That's close. That's close. Just go up 0.5, brother. I will give it, I'll give it a nine, 89 to like a 90 if I was grading in a classroom. (laughs) 89 to a 90. Um, Yeah. Uh, but I definitely think it's one of those that everyone should check out. It's a really good uh, historical drama for those people who are into that. Um, also, for those who just want to get a better idea of like who the Panthers are. Um, and I think it's a prime example of great black cinema. Um, for those of you guys who are inter- uh, very into uh, black cinema and black uh, movies that tell about black stories, this is a good story to do. And once again, Hollywood, I'm hollering at you. I hope this springboards other films about you know, uh, other leaders that are not often spoken about. Not just black ones, but you know, white, Asian, whatever. But Shaka King, shout out to that king. Yeah. Shaka King, shout out to that king, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank we appreciate you. you for this. We appreciate you for this, man. Thank and you. I will be looking for more of your film, your your shows, whatever you decide to do because of this movie. Fair, super fair. Yeah. Hey, well, we appreciate everyone for tuning in. Uh, please do leave comments. Uh, you know, let us know what you think, and we appreciate you for tuning in. Thank you.